Welcome to another episode of the Double Down Podcast. Whether it's makes, boots, or tiring replicants, we're your home for all things re. I'm your host, Will, and joining me as always from Sweden is my co-host. Is Replicant Jam. And all the way across the country in the Lone Star State is my other co-host. Conscious Ron here. Oh no. Has <laughs> oh, no, Ron what's, been what's replaced by a robot? I swear I am alive and have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. I yeah. don't know. If you like have to say it like that. Ugh. I'm back, guys. <laughs> oh, that was sorry. I, that was my replicant. Then, then who are we talking to now? Had Wait. you fooled? I had you oh, fooled. Man. But hey, you know that's what it is to be human. It's to make mistakes. It's it's to Ooh, make shitty podcasts. Nice, yeah. nice. That's a nice. You like, know, that's what around. that's the problem with robots. You know, they don't they don't make mistakes, and and it's the imperfections that make life beautiful. That is wow. deep, Ron. I like that. You should really join my book club. Is that the club where you just read Mein Kampf over and over again, Jimmy? Or is that a different club? In my book club, we just we all just read Eat, Pray, Love over and over again. And that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, you guys should join forces. Make the worst. It's really, it, they both have the same message. No, in a way it's true, though, because Eat, Pray, Love is definitely just about, like, white girl feminism, so... And that's what Mein Kampf kind of is about. Yeah. Well, it's about white supremacy, and there's mm. very little difference between white girl feminism and white supremacy. That's true. You know, yeah, it is eat, pray, love based on the back of a system that exploits human labor. Yeah, mm. actually, I mean, basically it is because of uh, the parts of the book when she goes to Asia, which is basically based off the fact that she can do rich person tourism of uh, globally poor places. You work 12 hours in a factory. I'll go find myself. Yeah. So in a way, we're right. This is about white supremacy, and I'm glad we here at the Double Down Podcast are woke enough to reveal the fact that Eat, Pray, Love is basically white supremacist propaganda. Case closed. Case closed. I mean, that's an interesting... If this is how your book clubs go, then, I mean, I'm in. Count me in. Yeah, that's right. We We know you like this kind of leftist uh, banter will book clubs like your guys are important things to have have safe spaces for people to talk about with the nature of of hollywood and and all of these scandals that are, are popping up it's it's important to have a, a safe place where you can talk about it well who even reads books anymore i mean it's it's kind of like looking at cave paintings honestly you got you got the bible and you got the art of the deal and what else do you need? Well, I mean, if we're going back to Art of the Deal, then you got a lot of extra stuff. I mean, you've got uh, Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie, right? We could talk about Naguib Mahfouz. We could talk about... Um, the Art of the Deal was written at the Conference of Constantine in 1513. They all sat together and picked out the best parts so they could start a fucking cult. And they, that cult is today's modern economy. So think about that. Oh, man. 
That's uh, think about that when you're pulling out your wallet to buy the next uh, fidget spinner that hits the market. I'm a little confused by exactly what you're getting at there with the art of and the deal being the problem. By, it's just yeah. too confusing. It's not written in plain English, and it honestly shouldn't be written at all. To circle back to yeah. a point we were making earlier, it should be made into a movie. That's uh, the only way to explain things. Getting today. very lost at the the way this uh, your reasoning process is being formed for us here, Will. Right, but put everything that I said in uh, in the scripted what? format, <laughs> put it on a what? 50-foot screen, you'd be... What be century was Art of the Deal written in? Jimmy, By Christian clerics? It was like, it was 1539. Oh, that's pretty late. I was actually thinking you meant earlier. Why did they wait till 1539 to do it? Ah, they were busy. <laughs> Doing what? It's a good year. Molesting little boys. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, man. There's, this podcast has taken a lot of bad turns this episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't... We were, we were pretty good for a while. I now think I'm going to protest this podcast. I think I'm against my podcast. Okay. That's an interesting I stance. think I'm against it. I'm, well, not, I'm not in favor of it, for sure. Well, how do you feel about moving it on over to Remake News? Oh, that is a, that is a beautiful segue like you've never done before, Will. <laughs> because, I mean, if you're anti this podcast, which it seems like most people on the internet are based on how many people <laughs> listen, <laughs> uh, then you'll be excited to hear that uh, several, or at least two, movie remakes have been put on the cooling shelf. Thank God. For okay, time being. I, I want to take this hot piece of news because I pointed out both of them. Okay, yeah, go for it. The first one we heard about, which was earlier this week, was that they are now icing the Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, that, that sounds God. pretty hot. Well, so, so the reason that was supposed to be hot is that was supposed to be um, part of the Dark Universe, the uh, Universal Monster Movies universe. So right. they already had the Tom Cruise movie with uh, as a mummy. This was supposed to be sort of the next one up or maybe the third one up in the total series, but it was supposed to be an integral part of the series. And then apparently after some focus testing, they decided to drop it, which is hilarious. So clearly they were going for like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they realized nobody wants that out of yeah. the Universal Monster. How, how, it doesn't take a focus group test to see that, you know, Bride of Frankenstein is not going to work. I mean, and we've talked about it briefly before when it was first announced. So maybe we're the focus group, you guys. Maybe we've garnered enough acclaim in Hollywood and they're like, these guys seem to know their stuff about remakes. Let's just listen to them. And maybe we're, we're turning the tides already. I mean, we're only 53 episodes in, so... I mean, they don't have Harvey Weinstein to look to anymore, so they have to listen to somebody. (laughs) Well, what's the second flop? So this one, I think, is even more surprising, is it's a Disney remake that they're throwing out. What? Exactly. When's the last time Disney even started production on a film that they decided to... Yeah. Especially, like, something they made public, something that's part of the Disney remakes, which the Disney remakes have been massively successful. Even Pete's Dragon was huge. Yeah. And that was a shitty movie to begin (laughs) with. Well, here's the thing. I think Disney inflates all their numbers. I think all their movies are actually running at a loss, but they own so much of the industry that, you know, they say they made $400 million, but actually... They didn't make anything. Wow. They just want to perpetuate the myth that they're making a profit so that they can, they can keep running on I government mean, subsidies. Interesting. I mean, it's not Disney who it's not Disney who releases the numbers 
for box office, so I don't know how they would well, do Well, who that. does? And I think you'll find that they're owned by none other than WDC, yeah. the Walt Disney Corporation. So, wait, Disney releases all the box office? Then why does Disney lose against some movies sometimes? They Just gotta keep to keep it realistic. the illusion up. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is like, we are the InfoWars <laughs> Of fucking movie podcasts. <laughs> We're yeah, just trying to like, get the truth. <laughs> it's like an organization like Scientology where they have sleeper agents that infiltrated the box office and they're just like making this, the numbers. They're going to come out in maybe 10 years. That It's, it's going to be another Enron situation, except with movies. Exactly. <laughs> You're just trying to think of a scandal. You don't even know what happened with Enron. The <laughs> I've seen the smartest guys in the room. <laughs> In high school. <laughs> anyway, we haven't even said what movie failed. Yeah, please get to it. <laughs> Jack and the Beanstalk. So they were gonna. So if you, they actually had a movie, uh, Jack and the Giant Slayer, a few years yeah. ago, uh, which you would have thought maybe if they were worried about that, then like this movie would have gotten canceled a couple years ago. But no, it got canceled like three days. I ago. I thought that was like a Mother Goose uh, property, not a Disney property. <laughs> Wait, is yeah, Mother, Mother Goose an independent <laughs> filmmaking company? Did they make Mother Shrek? Goose is just still suing for uh, for intellectual property? It's the estate of Mother Goose. It's probably not the mother right. herself. Right, that's entirely funded on golden eggs right now. That's how they're paying <laughs> the lawyers in golden eggs. Uh, well, yeah, it's a real shame we're going to miss out on the sequel, Jack Off the Beanstalk. Mm, yes. <sighs> okay. All right. All right. I'm going to go ahead and venture to guess that Jack Off the Beanstalk is not the first time that's been said. Like, that's not the first time someone's made that exact joke. I think it is. Oh, probably not. Yeah, this is. Thank you. Hey, I got a a quick little tidbit of news. Go for it. The Akira remake, Taiki Waititi, would cast Asian teenagers. Now, that's a headline. Um, (laughs) Den of Geek. So, (laughs) just letting you know. The director of Thor Ragnarok, he would cast Asian teenagers. Interesting. That is a hot take if I've it ever heard one. quite hot. This is such a controversial opinion, casting Asian teenagers in Akira. I mean, obviously you have to cast white people. Well, I mean, you see G.I. in the looks. We've been over this. This isn't... This is old news. I don't even know why we're fucking talking about it. <laughs> Hollywood whitewashes. And then, by the way, they invite the, like, five black people who have been in major films to the Oscars and they give them a bunch of the Oscars to make them feel good and so that they can claim they're not racist. That's how it's just going to work again. It's racist of you to even say that they didn't deserve those Oscars. Hmm. I didn't say they didn't deserve the Oscars. That's clearly not what I <laughs> it's said. kind of exactly what you said. Actually, no, that's not what know. I said. Yeah, but is, and, you I know, did not say Speaking that. of whitewashing in the machine... Let's talk about the movie this week. Interesting. Wow. We watched the 1982 action sci-fi thriller Blade Runner. For anyone who hasn't seen Blade Runner, it's based on a book by Philip K. Dick. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> called Wow. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And it's about futuristic L.A. in uh, 1919 about a cop called a Blade Runner whose specific job is to hunt down realistic androids that are rampant, are dangerous, I guess. I don't think they're like exactly dangerous, but they're rogue and maybe unpredictable. And smarter and more and stronger than humans. They're very strong. Yeah. yeah, they're very strong, which is a big problem. So yeah, he's tasked with hunting these people who can hide in plain sight. They're not people. 
people. They're fucking robots. Well, that's that's a big theme of the film. It's uh, some would say it's quasi philosophical. Mm, who would say that exactly? I want names. Not me, because I have a degree in the subject, and it's uh, kind of trash. Yeah, do robots have sentient consciousness? And obviously the answer is no. Uh, mm, yes. I mean, is your chair conscious? Is, uh, you know, is your microwave no, conscious? wait. Let's not have this. Okay. I hope not. Can we not have this talk? Listen, consciousness is, it's a billion-year-old machine. Okay. It might arrive out of a com- sufficiently complex set of structures with sufficient information processing. This is basically the views coming out of MIT right now. That's entirely consistent with their being a sufficiently sophisticated AI. Hey, Jimmy, riddle me this. If my microwave can think, how come it doesn't say anything when I put two-week-old goulash in it? Huh? How come it doesn't speak up and be like, P.U.? I mean, what you're saying is ridiculous. I mean, was it I mean, refrigerated goulash? You're you're dodging the question, Jimmy. You're clearly the point is the point is the microwave is not sufficiently complex information structure. Jimmy, if my chair could talk, wouldn't it be like, hey, buddy, don't put your bare ass on my face, huh? Have a little respect. I mean, what you're saying is ridiculous. It's just a series of. Wood molecule. They're not even wood molecules. What are they? Carbon and other molecules. Oh man, you're talking out of your way. ass. I backed you into a corner this and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at the look at the success of the computational theory of mind and contemporary cognitive psychology. Oh, I do. The fact. All the, time. <laughs> the fact is, the human mind is best modeled as basically a complex series of computations that's running, uh, basically running algor- algorithms on syntactic structures so it doesn't encode the content but it the syntactic structures uh receive content. I, I think the only thing that's running this is, is you away from voter implicit and uh although there might be consciousness over and above this view a dualistic view there's no reason a computer can't realize it so think of david chalmers work on both the extended mind and property dualism yet he is a computational theorist as well he believes that an AI with a sufficiently complex algorithm would have consciousness. Jimmy, I mean, that's all well and good, but if the Gatorade bottle full of piss next to my bed was (laughs) was alive, then why wouldn't it say, hey, buddy, quit filling me with unhealthy orange-colored pee? I mean, first, like, (laughs) see a doctor. Second of all, I don't know how we went from, like, at least a, a microwave that has a small computer in it to a piss jar. It's filled with crushed up Game Boy games. <laughs> let's let's, let's get back work. on track the movie. There was, a, there was a lot of different versions of this movie, and your experience really depends on which version you watch, and I highly recommend you watch the one without voiceovers mm. because Harrison Ford was forced to do them and they're written terribly, and he sounds angry and bored. He does. I watched the ones with voiceovers, and I noticed that, even though I didn't hadn't read the backstory yet. I was like, "What's what's this deal?" He sounds. <laughs> he's already an angry guy. Like Harrison Ford seems like he'd be cool to hang out with for like an hour, but then he just seems like he'd be really pissed off <laughs> yeah. at stuff for like no reason. He seems put out to be on whatever movie he's doing. He's, it seems like he has he's better just, things to do. Like, but he's a what cool is guy, that possibly? But, what do you think he does at, at his house that's so cool? Like meth? 
don't know. I, I don't know how you're making fun of Harrison Ford for staying home and liking that, Will. I mean, you like <laughs> fucking stay home and play video games, you unemployed piece of <laughs> no, shit all the time. I know, but if you I was a movie star, I wouldn't be like put out to be on fucking set making millions of dollars. You might be if you had like a sweet game on Minecraft to get back to you fucking nerd. <laughs> I don't get wow. your point. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You big fucking Minecraft loving son of a bitch. Hey, <laughs> If the giant 200 by 200 block penis that I made in Minecraft could talk. All right, anyway. That might be conscious. That might be conscious. I'm not convinced it's not. Yeah, but uh, I watched the one with uh, subtitles, and I have never seen the one without subtitles, Byron, so tell us more about that one. It's just a lot better. It's, you know, the the one with, you know, the intro and the voiceover, it's, it's like a guy trying to explain you know how to eat a steak you don't need it you eat the steak you don't need the guy telling you hey this is all right you got to cut here you got to slice these blocks this is what a steak is i think this metaphor has limited appeal byron like did anyone ever teach you how to eat steak i feel like i just knew how to eat steak out of the womb <laughs> this is a you weird you just gotta enjoy it. Get it you know it's funny that the protagonist is called Rick Deckard, because if you flip around the letters of his first name, it's Dick Record. Mm, that is funny. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point, Ron. You're That's, right. I, You're 100% right. No one's ever right. pointed that out uh, to me. Okay, well, no, here's the real point, because he's a rapist. Whoa. He is a rapist. There's a scene in the movie where he kisses the female replicant. She gets up to leave, and as she opens the door, he slams it shut and forces yeah. a kiss on her. That's, That's true. rape. It's not good. Yeah, well, yeah, I've devised a test. It's called the Weinstein test. If you replaced Harrison Ford with ha- Harvey Weinstein, it's obviously assault. I mean, no question Yo, about that's, it. Oh, that's interesting. I like that test, actually. It's called the Weinstein test, yeah. Okay, no, actually, I do kind of like that test in general. So, like, if you have to think what would Harvey Weinstein do in this situation, you probably assaulted somebody. It's not. It, it invalidates the whole movie. This movie is trash now. Mm. Sorry. It's economic trash. First of all, it didn't even make a profit, so it's economic trash. Oh, I mean, well, it did in the long run. In the long, the long I mean, run. sure, it, it influenced culture. Pretty much started cyberpunk, but it's trash. But this this production is infamous in Hollywood for being troubled from the very start. Because it was Ridley Scott's first American movie, and they do things differently in England. They Weinstein people all the time. <laughs> I'm not, not talking <laughs> he had about the no content. idea that wasn't acceptable <laughs> necessarily. But he was like a, just a perfectionist. He wanted to be behind the camera, even though that's the camera operator's job. So he's like constantly pushing people out of the way. He's changing lines and like the set dressing, like in the middle of fucking shooting. So it's just like not going well from the start. There's a whole documentary. Uh, that came out in 2007 about it called Dangerous Days Making Blade Runner. And it's like a three-hour fucking documentary on how terrible this set was. Apparently people were working, you know, 15-hour days for seven days a week uh, to make what? I mean, it's like digging a hole. I it's mean, crazy how it got made just because... Ridley Scott like went insane it was almost his apocalypse now apocalypse now yeah it's Ridley Scott's apocalypse now where he like paid such close attention to detail to stuff on the sets that would never make it into the movie like there was a magazine rack full of magazines from this dystopian 2019 with like hilarious titles like crotch zord bash creative emotion and droid and all of them had like 
headlines. Like, H Magazine had several different headlines, like the cosmic orgasm and hot lust in space and tit job review. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my personal favorite, scratch and sniff center spread, Mm -hmm. which is a disgusting fucking (laughs) concept. I love it. I'm so into that. <laughs> like, just like he, I, I, I like to imagine Ridley Scott writing all of these and like forcing some poor fucking set designer to make all of them, even though they never showed up in the movie at all. Yeah, yeah. he didn't even intend for them to show up in the movie. He just wanted to see the drawn <laughs> mock-ups. <laughs> what a creep. Oh. But like Ridley Scott went insane on this to the point where he got fired for a brief amount of time uh, because it was over budget and over schedule behind schedule and the test screenings went miserably because it was fucking confusing so they made them do the uh, voiceover and like pre-title exposition and then they hired him back on eventually but just like the whole process of making this movie was insane anybody else uh, have anything on this movie or should we get to the pitches yeah i've said my piece all right cool well i'm going head to head against ron but since ron you are the uh reigning champ i'll let you decide who goes hmm. first uh let's you know i'm excited to hear what you got will all right good so what i found as i stated earlier most exciting about the first blade runner movie is the universe that was created and like kind of just the set it was beautifully done but i was more curious about the inner workings of this futuristic la and like how does it run and uh, so i want to reboot blade runner into a gritty hbo drama okay it's already gritty grittier just put dirt on the lens i want to make it like the wire mixed with blade runner it'll take place in the blade runner version of new york and it'll follow creative you move from la to new york (laughs) good as well yeah making moves uh, it'll follow six prominent characters, just like kind of like in The Wire, how it follows different people at different levels of the bureaucracy that makes up future New York. We got yeah, that's Rod. a good idea, Will. We got Rod Hard Cannon, experienced Blade Whoa. Runner. We got Mayor Benjamin Blimpers, the man behind the <laughs> machine, <laughs> pulling the strings and flirting with corruption at the highest echelons of NYC. We got <laughs> Madame Bon Bouf infamous criminal kingpin and leader of the New York City Prostitutes Union. We got Smeggy. Smeggy? Criminal mastermind and leader of the Nexus 6 Rebellion brewing in the sewers of New York City. You got Chief Cromantha Crothers, head of the (laughs) NYPD and hard-nosed no-gendered person. Hates men, hates women, and criminals. Don't even get her started. Don't even get Zer started, sorry. And then you got X. That was highly offensive. <laughs> and then you got NX157398, a.k.a. Helena, a replicant Model 6 that's been smuggled off-world and is now hiding under the tutelage of Madame Bon Bouf as a prostitute. So you have all of these characters put in, all of these ingredients put into the spicy stew that is futuristic Blade Runner New York City. And what do you get? You get a great TV show, you guys. So that's you what get I get. Uh, you get futuristic gangs of New York. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, which. Um, so, I mean, that's. Uh, that, I'm going to keep it short and simple unless you have any specific questions. So, who's a replicant? So, Smeggy, criminal mastermind and leader of the Nexus 6 revolution, he's a replicant. Uh, and they, like, they're underground, fucking street gang kind of thing. And then you got. Helena, who's one of the main characters and is a smuggled off-world prostitute that 
Rod Hardcannon, Blade Runner, is hunting. Now, Rod Hardcannon, is that is that a serious uh, name? Is that some kind of... <laughs> oh, it's a serious name. It's, it's about as serious as names get, if you ask me. You don't want to fuck with somebody named Rod Hardcannon. I, I guess so. In this world uh, of New York, is there Rudy Giuliani? That's the question that's been burning in the back of everyone's minds. Is Rudy Giuliani still alive in New York? Yeah, because he, yes, exactly. he could really clean it up. Instead of peep shows in, in Times Square, they have like a Hall of Presidents, like a Disney World, except it's the Hall of New York City Mayors. <laughs> there's Giuliani, there's uh, Como, there's... Uh, Koch. Koch. Dink, Dinkin, Dink, Dinkle, Dinkle. I don't remember that. One. <laughs> I don't remember Dinkle. When was Dinkle? Dink, is it Dinkin? Uh, there's Googly, Googly Ellie, Googly for Jolly. So, so in that sense, yeah, Giuliani does exist in this futuristic New York City. He's just a tourist attraction. So the what? Yeah, what's the plot? I still don't. You got some characters. You got New York. Yeah, that's, there's no oh, okay. plot really. Run, um, runs right there. You actually only described two characters. Sure. All right. So the overarching plot of the show revolves around a rash of terrorist attacks in Manhattan, seemingly perpetrated by prostitutes in the prostitutes' union specifically. The mayor Benjamin Blimpers, he and and <laughs> Chief Crothers both think that uh, Helena, the Nexus 6 that was smuggled into New York City, is responsible since she just arrived. And Rod Hardcannon is put on the case to explore the seedy underbelly of future NYC. So basically that's that's the thing. We got somebody being framed. She's an innocent Nexus 6, you know. Now, She's looking to survive. Why, why do you think people use the term seedy? Is it because it's like actual seed, like on the ground, like... Yeah, I mean, that phrase is disgusting. Seedy underbelly. <laughs> I kind of understand that, but I'm worried that's like firsthand experience. So when you're having sex with somebody from behind and you pull out, but you put your wiener underneath them and come on their belly, so it's, it's like a, a drippy stalactite mess. I thought it was just like when I eat a poppy seed bagel without a shirt on. <laughs> and it gets stuck that's under cool. your folds. Seedy. <laughs> CD underbelly. They always manage to get there somehow. Interesting. I mean, either way is disgusting. <laughs> either way is <laughs> apropos of what we're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Ron. Language is weird. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> How does it end? How does it end? Well, uh, of course, Rod Hardcannon and Helena fall in love, but she only has four years uh, on, on this earth, so they figure out a way to, I mean, after they defeat Smeggy, of course, and, and prove Mayor, Mayor Blimpers and Carmantha Crothers wrong, they figure out a way to transfer Helena's consciousness into that of a Cocker Spaniel, and they live happily ever after. In the in, in Martha's Vineyard. I don't mean to be a dick, but I feel like this movie really jumps the shark. Well, it's a TV show, so don't worry about I it. I feel like this TV show really jumps the shark. I mean, literally, because that sounds pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that doesn't happen. No, you put that in there. I, I really meant more of the cocker spaniel thing. Oh, what would you prefer, like a German Shepherd? No, that's fine. All right, perfect, Ron. All right, well, my movie is Blade Runner three thousand. So the year is 3000 and life as we know it like this. does not exist. The physical earth has been destroyed by natural disasters and all consciousness has been uploaded to the Versa, a virtual universe, a quantum computer that floats through space. 
the inhabitants of the Versa, they know their situation and they live their lives free of hunger, thirst, and boredom in Paradise City. Now, the people live among applicants, programs that look and feel human but are supposedly lifeless lines of code. Now our hero is Jonas Sprite and he's a detective with the Cybercrime Division. He's tasked with finding out the criminal underground that is formed with a mission to destroy the Versa. They're called the Loomis and their belief is that the Versa is a prison. They seek to free the applicants and believe that no life at all is better than cyber consciousness. They Ron, you are putting me to sleep. <laughs> they seek a legendary piece of hardware, the Micro P which will supposedly destroy the Versa. Oh, no. I was so into now, it. Now, Jonah... Like, I felt like, Ron, you really tried, but now, like, I no, can see what this it's is No, it's like going. a microchip. So upset about it. It's a microchip, like a micro P. Now, Jonah has tracked down a lead. Hey, 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 Ron, Ron, here's just a litmus test for the rest of the pitch. Can you complete the pitch without saying micro P again? No, it's a main plot point. Can you just can you give us the overview first? Can you call it <laughs> it's, something This else, is the Ron? overview. All right, so all right, I'll go quicker. If I'm sorry if I'm putting you to sleep, but uh, Jonas tracked down a lead in Seximus Prime. Now, now you're awake, huh? <laughs> you saucy boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the red light district of the city where any fantasy can be fulfilled. So he meets a sex applicant called Inala, and she has 20 holes. Oh, nice. <laughs> so while questioning her, the brothel is attacked by the Loomis terrorists, and he must fight and protect Inala as they escape in a, in a sick vehicle chase. So Jonah takes Inala to his hideaway spot, and on the news it's revealed that Jonah is being blamed for the terrorist attack, and he's been labeled a rogue, a rogue applicant. So in a moment mm -hmm. of fear, Inala comforts him, and they almost make love, but Jonah stops her for some reason. He seems embarrassed about the size of his member. Yeah, that's oh, that's a plot God. point. So he's got to he's got to clear his name. <laughs> decides to track down the leader of the Loomis. So you know his journey. They do a bunch of cool shit. They got cool gunfights. Blah blah blah. Mm. And finally, mm -hmm. his journey leads him to the president of the Versa, Donlin Trusk, the creator and inventor of the Versa. So it's revealed that they're all applicants. No real human has existed for billions of years. All light and ordered matter in the universe doesn't exist anymore. Only the self-sustaining Versa. It's their mission to discover a way to restart the universe from voidal heat death and bring about a new Big Bang. Trusk programmed everything and every interaction so there's no free will, only carefully choreographed lives. Turns out that Anala is the key. She's the key program that will activate the Versa and it can only be unlocked by activating her tight 21st hole. It's a hole so tight it can only be activated with the micro P. And it turns out Jonah is the owner of the micro P. They make love, and the Versa begins the antimatter process and restarts the universe with another Big Bang. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Wow. That was a journey, gents. You guys feel exhausted. That's how you should feel at the end of a movie, you know. Yeah, it was fucking about as long as a movie. You literally read your pitch. <laughs> I was following along. All right, well, um, uh, there's some interesting themes there, on, but I feel like it all comes back to a dick joke at the very end, as is want to happen in all of your fucking pitches. Uh, Nala has 20 holes. Where? I want to know where every one of them is. <laughs> oh, come on, that's that's a minor plot point. I don't think Clearly. it is. It, it turned out to be you're, a major you're plot point. You're focusing on on the wrong things here. I don't understand the leap you made. It seemed like you were just trying to wrap things up. 
the guy is pretty much God. He created the entire universe, but then he needed her 20 holes in his micro penis. To, yeah. 21. To, Listen closely. 21. It's a, it's a, it's a love story at heart i think um you know and it's it's about a man's insecurities you know it's about free will there's there's a lot of uh, deep issues i don't uh, think there are it's it's i think it's the next godfather <laughs> you know what i don't need to hear it from you rubbish swines. yeah i think ron's right we're not the ones he has to impress we should get to the decision all right so we got a third party person um do you guys i think we're gonna start just giving them anonymous names since nobody's really gonna go look at them on Fiverr anyway so you got you guys got a name for this guy first of all let's point out the ridiculousness of Fiverr <laughs> are we gonna get into the it? liars and the cheats that occupy this Fiverr so behind the scenes oh man we had a tough time we have this week. To, yeah we were looking for judges and there's a lot of liars there's people that supposedly have teams and they're like I talked to my team and we decided that it's gonna cost you 30 bucks to do this According <laughs> to read your pitches, maybe just because they ran up and they're like, recording. "Oh boy, <laughs> that's gonna be at least thirty dollars for me to fucking debase myself." Yeah. <laughs> to like, about Jonah and well, his look, micro-pete. I gotta spend twenty dollars on a handle, five dollars <laughs> yeah. on gas, and then five dollars my normal fee anyway. <laughs> but we finally found somebody, and uh, wait, what was the name? Did we give him a name? Bartholomew. 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 All right, let's hear what he's. Okay. Hello everyone, I'm here to choose between two remakes of the movie Blade Runner. Um, I'll be reading both of the remakes and rendering a decision and giving you my reason for why. Uh, The first of the two remakes is making it into a wire type crime drama, um, which is interesting, but gives me the feeling that it'll be a remake in the vein of Chips or in the vein of Hawaii Five O, which are both terrible, terrible TV shows, which seem like they might be interesting. Um, the description that I was given was pretty vague, um, with some potential, but very little at that. And the other option I was given was a dystopian future where there's no real human life. Everybody's living in some kind of simulation, and there are a lot of Bad sexual innuendos, micro P, I can only assume is short for micro penis. Um, there's a lot of prostitutes and sex clubs involved, um, which I find hilarious. But the plot of that seems pretty thin and hard to follow, and I'm not really given a lot to work with. So, just based on this, as much as it pains me, I have to go with the TV show version of Blade Runner, um, the crime drama based on The Wire. Seximus Prime with 10 different holes. Come on, guy. Go fuck yourself. All right. Yay. Once for the very first time, I'm back on top. Clearly the guy is no class. He's, I don't know who that guy is. Some kind of rubbish little. (laughs) Yeah, that was brutal the way he picked us apart. Uh, But I I don't disagree with anything that he said. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't wrong, but he could have been nice about it. Yeah, what a dick. But whatever, I'm happy. I, I, I even though he was pretty brash, I feel like he made the right decision in the end. Well, I don't think there was a right decision in this case, but I don't want to hear it from you, Jimmy. Based on your fucking last pitch, which got chopped up, luckily for the fucking <laughs> glee of the listeners. It was great. That guy was a hack. But anyway, I'm the champion. I'm the best. 
and that's all you need to know. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see next week when you have to go up against this guy. Let's get into the 2017 reboot of Blade Runner. We'll be right back to talk about it. Mommy, mommy, take my picture with Elmo. All right, honey, smile. Mommy, what's going on? I don't know what's going on, but all I know is we're very innocent. Look out! That hooker has a bomb! There are two kinds of replicants that inhabit this city. Yes ma'ams and sexes. Ask a yes ma'am a question, they'll comply just as their programming tells them to. Ask a six of the same thing, you're likely to end up with your throat torn out and a metal boot through your chest. Don't say I didn't warn ya. I warned them not to let those goddamn whores unite. Now they're harboring killer robots and blowing up tourists. I can't have those fucking things loose in my city. Actual lights are on the line. You follow replicants, you get smugglers and sympathizers. But you start to follow the money. And you don't know where it's gonna take you. He got fire in the fury. All I got on this earth is but four years, Jack. And I'll tell you, it's either play or get played. It's future New York, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. Smeggy owns 146 of the 210 blocks in Manhattan. I'm just a robot, I suppose. And I want my money. All I wanted is a second chance at freedom. Now everyone thinks I did it! If you don't have what it takes to reach your arm deep into the ass of a stranger, then pray to God it's full of bolts. Then I'll tell you straight, we're staring in the face of defeat. And that defeat means we're done. All of us. Stop right there, you sexist son of a bitcher. I swear to God I'll retire you here and now. What are you waiting for, hard cannon? An email invite? God damn it. I love the future. Blade Runner NYC, coming to HBO this fall. And we're back from watching the 2017 reboot of Blade Runner. <laughs> Whoa, hold up. It's a sequel. Blade Runner 2049. Oh. It's we talked a about sequel. this briefly in the mini episode, but... I mean, is it really a sequel? Well, no, it's both. I mean, I don't know why we have to think there's a conflict here. That's my position. So, like, narrative-wise, it is a sequel. There's no getting around the right. fact that narrative-wise it's a sequel. But I think for a lot of thematic and structural reasons, it plays like a reboot. So it's going back through the themes of what is humanity? Are the robots human? What does it mean to be human? It's about the sort of uh, backlash of the replicants against their creator, which is kind of the human versus God thing. It's very Nietzsche. And then on top of it, though, I think you can also make a distinction between rebooting a film and rebooting a franchise. And I think what this movie did was clearly reboot the franchise. And the reason I think it's uh, a reboot of the franchise and not just a second movie 30 years later is the ending is open-ended enough that they could p do another movie in two years. Yeah, and I bet they will, uh, honestly. I hope uh, probably not. This was a box office failure. The world is a worse place economically for this having been made this movie's fault for where we're at well our economy. no that's not i mean that doesn't follow because 
Um, although the execs might have not made more money, there is a bunch of uh, well-meaning people who uh, got paid, and that's good. Yeah, they meant well. They they should have been out there digging holes instead, instead of making this filth. Well, you know what? There's not enough hole-digging jobs anymore. So they didn't have a choice. They had to make Blade Runner. Yeah, first of all, Jared Leto is not a good actor. Okay. <laughs> Wait, let's just let's talk about what this movie's about. Let's put some context into what is going on. So this movie follows a younger Blade Runner, the cops that hunt these uh, replicants, and it takes place in 2049, as the title suggests. So it's 30 years after the last one, and one of the replicants gave birth, which doesn't make any fucking sense. So there, it's like a mystery trying to figure out how this happened and who was involved yeah and there's like a bit of a twist in it but i think actually that the twist is like kind of easy to see coming well it went over some of the same themes as the original blade runner you know whether uh you know in the first one though the main character you know it's ambiguous whether he's a human or a replicant and in this one they you know right at the beginning they say he's a replicant so it's like watching a movie about like a microwave or a washing machine Sorry, boring. Ryan Gosling is already autistic. Enough, it depends like. on the level of spoilers you want to give away, though, because then they do do things to make you question how much of a normal replicant he is and how, you know. So so you're right that they set that up, but then they start to toy with that idea right from the go. So I think it's I think it's not exactly fair. Ryan Gosling's already like a machine enough as a human being, and now he plays an actual Sex machine. Sex machine. Would you look at those abs? Snooze alert. Sexiest man alive, three years. Yeah, it's like saying sexiest microwave alive. You know, it doesn't do anything. What? I don't even understand what you mean now. (laughs) Put a big old honking pair of tits on a microwave. Some uh, sweet, juicy tits. Call GE, because I'm buying on all my appliances, honestly. I'm a red-blooded American man. I can only take so much before I pull out my three credit cards and and buy titted appliances. I thought you were going to say dick and come on up potted plant give me a sexy microwave but this this movie does bring up sexy appliances with you know the ryan gosling's girlfriend character who is a she's an artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. which uh oh wait have you seen her with uh made by spike jones oh wait they did it already so sorry i mean it's a little (laughs) it's a little different because she's a projection like a hologram instead of just the in the phone and that makes it interesting because they have that crazy scene where then she like sort of overlaps with the prostitute and they pork well call me uh, nitpicky but I feel like they missed a, a golden opportunity to name her Holly Holly Graham yeah, that wasn't missed. Instead, they named her Joy, J-O-I, which I think they missed that. It's jerk-off instructional. Yeah, I noticed that too, but I think we're the two uh, weird perverts who noticed that. Actually, that's not true. Everybody who saw Blade Runner on uh, opening weekend probably was familiar with that acronym. <laughs> they probably came just fresh from a J-O-I sesh. Yeah, tell me about it. I don't listen to audiobooks. I listen to J-O-I's on the train. Oh, that's weird. I listen to actual, like, hardcore, like, instructionals, like, first, place your hand here. Like on how to make, like, a desk <laughs> yeah, like, from, from it's like a Ikea. piece of wood. J-O-I by Ikea. <laughs> it sounds like a piece of Ikea furniture. This method. What's the deal with Ikea furniture name? Hey, I'm in Sweden. I'll have none of that. Yeah, Jimmy, do they have Ikea over there? Ikea is a Swedish company. Yeah, they have Ikea here. 
Yeah. They have a special bus that's an Ikea designated <laughs> bus that takes you from children? the center of the city to the gigantic Ikea <laughs> to the gigantic Ikea just outside of the city. In second of all, Jared Leto, let's talk about Jared Leto. He's not a good actor. I don't, he, he should have never won an Oscar. He's now so people method. think I didn't dislike him. What was wrong with him? He just he's overacting. So they could have got I don't believe him as a as a genius. I don't I believe him as a heroin addict. I I, th- I think that's especially true for the the character in this film. Like this character needed to be super like understated. And this one was definitely like this guy like he was creepy and like a little bit too obvious of a way. What you needed was like a far more like emotionless, drained kind of creepy. Not a yeah. I'm a creep who like masturbates in the corner of a room every time a pretty lady <laughs> yes. walks in. Way you know. That's the vibe I got. And you know, it's it's not his fault that they cast him as Ace Ventura in Suicide Squad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the big honka honka. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty accurate. That was yeah. good, Rod. I liked his Bond gimmick though, as the villain in this. Like he had like several eyes floating around. He was blind. Yeah, but, but that's like, the that's whoever thing. wrote the film and figured out the. Ca- I think you just go old school and you go Daniel Day Lewis with that character, and you just let him deliver that monologue blind. It would have been amazing. Oh yeah. Well, do we have anything else? Any final thoughts on this? Uh, I thought this was really good. Maybe movie of the year. You know, it's one of the few movies that's. It seems like it's not made by ten people in a room trying to make the most profit, and it didn't make the most profit. But <laughs> it's very maybe well they crafted. should have. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe there should have been ten guys in a room. Maybe if they had ten guys in a room, <laughs> yeah. there'd be another Blade Runner coming out. So, but here's the problem. Just I was I was really vibing, and towards the end, the fat old lady behind me turns to her friend and goes. None of this makes sense. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. And it just really pissed me off. So so on that merit alone, you give it like a B. <laughs> it made me hate the movie. <laughs> That's bizarre that you like suddenly agree with that person that you hate. Her conviction <laughs> her conviction was so strong. It convinced you. She's like a beer hall pooch. She's, she fucking <laughs> is turning the movie theater just based on her fucking vitriol towards this movie that she doesn't she get. hates it. That doesn't even, but I, you know, that's so I upsetting it. because like at that point in the film she, clearly she should get it. It was not complicated compared to the first movie yeah. it was like easy to follow. I thought it was I thought it was almost too easy to follow. Like I feel like they telegraphed the tw- the sort of twisty thing in it. I think the main takeaway we can take from this movie is that the next like big box office movie that everyone agrees on that's great I'm going to go to and dress in my trashiest clothes and sit behind <laughs> people and just uh, like uh, right before the God. final climax scene, I'm gonna be like, this movie doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna man. get up loud and drop my coke <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> I think that's what we can take away. It made me very angry because <laughs> I did. Right. I did it's enjoy good. this movie very much. Me too. We all agree. This is a good movie. Go see it. Yeah. Let's get into the lightning round. Lightning round. So lightning round is the segment of the show where we predict, uh, or we pitch a remake on the remake that we just watched. So if we were to remake Blade Runner 2049, how would that look? Cindy, would you start the clock? All right. So basically, 
this is a reboot, not a remake. So there's there's less themes that we can latch on to, but there are some. Mainly that Jared Leto's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew that. Like, did you hear all the uh, did you hear all those stories about him on the set of Suicide Squad, like pulling weird pranks, like no. sending yeah. pig heads to people? And then he kept claiming it. What? Yeah, he he kept claiming he was going method because he yeah, was like leaving, the Joker. Leaving used condoms on the set. That was a rumor. I forgot he was the Joker when you guys were talking about Suicide Squad earlier. I forgot. That he was the Joker. <laughs> well, it was like, is he Harley Quinn? I know he's played a woman before. The Joker? No, he was Ace Ventura in that movie. That's true. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody stop, stop me. Actually, that's the mask. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> We're getting Jim Carrey movies completed. That's okay. I don't think Jim Carrey knows which movie's which anymore. That guy's a nutter. No, there is no Jim Carrey. That's true. That's there right. is no, there Jim, is no Car- Jim Carrey. There's no Jim Carrey, but there is his fucking stupid art pieces for $10 million. There's it's no true. Jim Carrey, and but super there is dead a guy girlfriend. That, 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 yeah, his, that girlfriend his girlfriend definitely doesn't STDs. exist anymore. Yeah. His girlfriend definitely doesn't <laughs> but, exist so, yeah, anymore. Yeah. If there's no Jim Carrey, who gave that poor girl STDs and made her kill herself? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. So if it wasn't Jim Carrey, is that like... Is that, me, guys? is that like his Johnny Cochran defense in court? There is no Jim Carrey. Your Honor. <laughs> I'm an eliminative materialist. Jim I Carrey don't do exist. That if he doesn't exist. <laughs> Lightning round. Lightning round. Thanks for watching the episode this week, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out next week. I think we're going to have another episode instead of a... Uh, Minisode because I think um, what's that fucking movie? Uh, Leatherface is coming out, so we're gonna do a Halloween special next week. <laughs> Hopefully, you stuck with it uh, this episode to the very end because we are announcing Leatherface for our Halloween special. It's gonna be great. I'm excited. I'll see you guys there. Check us out on Twitter. Yeah, check us out on I guess Twitter. Are, Facebook, are we still uh, doing anything on Twitter? Most notably, SoundCloud and iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe on those. But do it. Check do us it. Out on LinkedIn if you're a professional. We want. We want to. Check us out on Meerkat. Jimmy has a 24-hour periscope uh, live feed from his CD underbelly. So if you want to check that out. Check it out. What else? What else do we got? We uh, we comment on people's Venmo transactions. So check out our comments on Venmo. Uh, yeah, but check us out next week for a Halloween special. Until then, go fuck yourself. Bye. All right, let's pause because I gotta take a shit so badly. Oh my! <laughs> you should record oh re- record while you're taking a shit. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, that'd be yeah. funny. It'd be a funny inside thing. <laughs> All right. Oh no. <laughs> <Whatever. laughs> oh, it's gonna be so bad. Okay. <laughs> And then I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this part at the very end of the episode so after they listen to it. <laughs>